listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back again this week to the podcast. I got something special for you. I want to take you into a recent Facebook Live broadcast that we did where we talked about the seven benefits of praying in tongues. This is a subject that's not talked about as often as it should be now in our generation. But I want you to take this time and spend a valuable hour hearing from the Word of God the seven benefits of speaking in other tongues. Do me a favor, because this is going to be an important day. Share this broadcast. We need to talk about this subject more than ever. I can't believe how many people I'm running into that uh, they, even Pentecostal people, you talk to them and many of them are backing away um, from not just I'm not talking about just like the man of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, healing and miracles. All the time. I'm talking about as basic as speaking in tongues. Uh, and so that's why today I want to talk about seven benefits from speaking of speaking in tongues. I want to deal with the subject of what does speaking in tongues really do for the believer? See, the reason I'm talking about this is because in our generation, many people think that uh, tongues is some unimportant, unnecessary side dish. Being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit is some you know side dish to the entree of salvation. That's, that's simply not the case. Did you know, I mean, think about this for a second. Jesus Christ as he was finishing his life on the earth and getting ready to be taken into heaven and seated on the throne is, is, is exhorting his disciples. And the Bible says as he's exhorting his disciples, he tells them to go and wait in Jerusalem until they're filled with power from on high. Now, his disciples wanted him to stay on the earth and set up a kingdom. They thought Jesus was going to become some kind of a political leader. And they said, "We are. when are you going to start setting up your kingdom now? I mean, it's, it's, it's about time. You've been ministering like this for three years. You're going to set up a kingdom so we can rule with you? And he said, you don't understand even what I'm doing. I have to leave. See, Jesus told them that my work is not even completely finished until I leave the earth and I'm seated at the right hand of my father. He said, when I go, I will send you a comforter who is the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied it many times and in the gospel of John. He said, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. John 16 and verse 13. One of the things that I like to tell people, hey, Randy, good to see you, Heather. One of the things that I, hey, there's my friend, Sean Daniels. Love you, buddy. Hey, Mario, God bless you. One of the things that I love to tell people is that we understand that the Bible teaches in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth that you know will set you free. So if the Bible tells us, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit, one of his main purposes is to lead us and guide us into all truth and every truth of the scripture has performance power attached to it. God said, when my word goes out of my mouth, Isaiah 55, 11, 
I will never allow it to come back to me empty or void. It will always accomplish what I send it to do and prosper in the thing whereunto I've sent it. So every word from God's mouth has power to perform. Every word from God's mouth carries the power to perform. So if you, when the Bible says you'll know the truth, which is the word, and the truth will set you free, then when the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you into all truth, think about this, he's actually leading you and guiding you into every manifestation of God's power. Because every word carries power to manifest. So when the Holy Spirit leads you to it, he's actually leading you into the manifestation power of God. Notice, God never wants us to have information just for the purpose of having information. He wants us to have a manifestation of his power. See, it's not enough. God doesn't just want you to know that Jesus is a savior. He wants him to be your savior. God doesn't want you to just know that he's a healer. He wants to be your healer. He doesn't want you to just know and have the knowledge that he's a provider. He wants to be your provider. See, it's not about having general knowledge. It's about having a manifestation of the truth of God's power active in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and brings us into all truth. So I can't understand when people in this, in our generation make it like, you know, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, we can talk about that later. The real important thing is that you, you know, you're saved and you're faithful to church, but you know, we're, well, you, We'll let you listen to 13 podcasts and, you know, then you can sign a paper and see if you're really still interested in being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And and if you still are, then, you know, we'll take you down into the basement of the church and some, you know, broom closet and lay hands on you there in case nothing happens. You know, we won't have to explain it away. They, They make the Holy Spirit like he's unimportant. But understand, Jesus thought that the most important thing for every one of his followers after he left was that they received the Holy Ghost. Jesus was clear. He said, do not do anything else until you wait in Jerusalem and get filled with power from on high. So it was Jesus' thought process that when I leave the earth, every one of my believers should wait until I fill them with power for the ministry that I've called them to. Because you know what he told them? He prophesied. John chapter 14 and verse 12, Jesus prophesied and said, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. Why did he say that? Because when he goes to be with his father in heaven, he sent us the Holy Spirit. Jesus' work was not fully finished until he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the believers were filled with power from on high to do what Christ had commissioned them to do. And then let me just break this down quickly because I want to talk to you. This is very important that if you think that it's not something that was considered extremely important in the New Testament church, let me just break down the book of Acts for you real quickly uh, with about five instances. Number one is Acts chapter two. You can see that as soon as the uh, believers received the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that they began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. So the first initial thing that that happened when they received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost is that every single one of those believers began to speak in other tongues. Notice, I want I want to just make a point here and if you're if you're listening to this please understand this. Notice that all 120 who were in the upper room 
God did not pick and choose which of the 120 he would baptize in the Holy Ghost. Notice they were all 120 there, but not just 60 of them received the baptism and spoke in tongues because, you know, not all speak with tongues. So God just chooses and gives that gift to certain people as he chooses. Notice every person who was present, who was expecting what Jesus said would happen, got filled with the spirit and all of them spoke with tongues. Move on forward. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, Philip went to Samaria to preach Christ. He left Jerusalem because of persecution. Shows up in Samaria, begins to preach Christ to them. Sees the, They see the miracles, which he did. Many were healed. Demons were cast out of people. And they all believed and were saved. And there was great joy in the city. Watch this. The first thing that happened after all those new believers came into the kingdom is that word got sent back to Jerusalem and Peter and John were immediately sent to Samaria for one purpose. Do you know what it was? The Bible says when they arrived in Samaria, they began to lay their hands on every new believer. And the Bible tells us, and all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice, even the apostles understood the very first thing that needs to take place after a person receives Jesus is that they need to be baptized in the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. So they didn't delay. They didn't wait until there was four weeks of small groups so that people understood exactly what was going on. Peter and John immediately came to Samaria and started laying their hands on every new believer. And the Bible records in Acts 8, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, the Bible does not specifically tell us in Acts 8 that they spoke with other tongues, but it implies it. And here's why. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is an inward work. It's not an outward work. It happens internally. But the Bible says something happened to the believers in Acts 8 where everyone could see that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How could they have told, been able to tell that all of those believers were filled? In fact, Simon the sorcerer was following the disciples and something happened on that day that he saw that when they laid their hands on the believers, a power went into them that changed them on the outside. And because he saw that, Simon offered to buy that power. He said, I'll pay you. I want to have that same power you have, Peter and John. And they rebuked him. What did Simon the sorcerer see on that day as they laid their hands on the new believers and they got filled with the Holy Ghost? I would say he saw them speaking with other tongues and prophesying. And he understood hands can be laid on a person and they can be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak with a new language and the power of God can come upon their life. Skip forward in Acts chapter nine, you see the conversion and then you see the filling of the apostle Paul. He went from being Saul to Paul. And when Paul was saved, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later we learn uh, through his testimony to the Corinthians in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he personally said, I pray in tongues more than all of you do. So we know that when Paul got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it led to a life filled with speaking in tongues. He, it was his own testimony. Move on one more chapter forward to Acts chapter 10. You know what you find? The story of Cornelius and his house the Gentiles who received the Holy Spirit. So you can see it wasn't just for the Jews. They were an Italian family. 
And Peter showed up at their house and began to preach to the entire household. And watch this. The Bible says after they had been converted and he started preaching to them while he was yet preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on the entire household and they all began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. And notice this, the Jews that had come along that had been there on the day of Pentecost said, hey, wait, wait a second. This is exactly what we received. This is the exact same thing that we saw happen to us on the day of Pentecost, recognizing that the same power of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out on the Jews had now been poured out upon the Gentiles. And everyone in Cornelius's household was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and began to prophesy in the same exact way. Notice once again, God didn't pick and choose which of Cornelius's household got to receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't get to pick it. They didn't pick and choose. You know, half of them got the baptism and half of them spoke with tongues, but the other half just showed the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life and began to walk in love. No, that's not what the Bible says. It said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. And then jump forward. Hey, Judy, God bless you. God bless you, Bill, Frederick, Melissa, Daniel and Sherry, Jason. There's my father-in-law, Larry. God bless you. Jump to Acts 19. Acts 19 is another powerful testimony, and I'm explaining to you in a moment. Paul the Apostle traveled to Ephesus, which was a, a church that was in Turkey. He went into Turkey, and the Bible says that when he went there, he found 12 men who were baptized with the baptism of John. And he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said to him, we've not even heard that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. He said, well, then what baptism were you baptized with? And they said, well, the baptism of John. So notice these people weren't even truly born again yet. They had only received water baptism by John. So the first thing Paul does, he he has them all baptized in the name of Jesus, or he got them saved. They became Christians. And then as soon, get this, as soon as Paul sees them converted to Christ, the very first thing he does is lay his hands upon all 12 of them and they were immediately filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy. They begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy. So notice in the book of Acts, this is the method that God lays out. As soon as somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, the initial sign, the outward initial sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. So coming from that perspective, you begin to understand that if it was Jesus' number one desire that after he left the earth, believers be filled with the Holy Spirit and it was the apostles' number one desire as you saw from, you know, uh, Acts chapter eight in Samaria, Acts 19 in Ephesus, that as soon as somebody was saved, that they'd be filled with the mighty Holy Spirit. And you can see that the evidence of that in every occasion and implied in Acts chapter eight is that they spoke with other tongues, an unknown language, and began to prophesy. So why do we say it? Why do we confess 
that the Holy Spirit is the most important thing that we have in our life outside of Christ. Excuse me. It's because it was Jesus that emphasized it and it was the apostles who emphasized it. And in our New Testament church today, we're still operating in that same dispensation of the Holy Spirit at work on the earth. He has not stopped in his operation on the earth. He has not stopped baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. He has not stopped pouring out his power on those who receive him. He's not stopped working signs and wonders and miracles. All of these things are still taking place. I'm not going to do a, a, a complete history of the Christian church and show you how, it, not just through the scripture, but as the early church progressed, did you know that if you read the earliest church fathers uh, in history, they still had evidence after the last 12 apostles, the original 12 apostles died. They still had evidence of miracles, signs, and wonders in the early church, in church history. And it continues on today. Azusa Street was not the pouring out of the Holy Spirit for a new generation. He has never stopped in his operation. He has never stopped working. He, he is still for today. So praying, Beth is asking, how can you speak in tongues? Beth, the answer to that is that you get filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the method that we see, the number one method that we see in the scripture of that happening is that you've got to be around a man of God or a people of God that believe in the baptism of the Spirit. And then according to scripture, many times they would lay their hands on people and people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. So Beth, I'm not sure what church you attend, but I would encourage you to find a place where they believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have them lay hands on you and impart to you the life of God and the Holy Spirit. Why? What is the importance? What is the importance of speaking in tongues? What does it do for a believer? Well, I want to talk to you about that. The first thing we understand is that when you pray in tongues, it, you can understand that it is the evidence to you and to others that you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. So the number one be benefit of speaking in tongues is that it is your evidence that you've been filled with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's always been the evidence in the New Testament church. As I just went broke down through, through the book of Acts for you, it's always been the evidence. And that is the number one benefit of being filled with the Spirit because number one, it keeps in your mind that you are filled with a heavenly power and that you are equipped to do what God has called you to do and that you don't lack any gifting. You don't lack any gifting. In fact, did you know Paul said that uh, to the church in Corinth? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's see where I, chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul said to them, he said that you'll come behind or lack no gift as you wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, now that you have been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, you lack no gift. You're not missing one gift, not missing one gift. Think about that. Every gift that you need to accomplish the purpose that God has placed in your life has already been deposited into you as a Holy Ghost filled believer. So number one, the first benefit of being filled with the spirit is that you have an evidence that the power of heaven is dwelling in your body, your physical body. 
I mean, think about that, how powerful that is. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he will quicken or make alive your physical, mortal body. Paul was reminding the Roman church that the very same Holy Spirit that took Jesus' dead body and shook it back to life is living on the inside of every Holy Ghost-filled believer and every believer. Understand that the Holy Spirit didn't just give you a drop of his nature, but you are filled with the fullness of God. You are filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You're not just got, you know, you don't have some just like little appetizer portion of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You've been filled through and through with the person of the Holy Spirit. That resurrection power is literally residing in your body. That's why Paul had to remind the church in Corinth. He said, don't you realize and know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know? Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He dwells in you. He makes his abode in you. And because of that, you now have the power to do what natural human beings cannot do. Do you know there's no natural human being that can just lay their hands on the sick and from touching skin to skin, have them be healed? But we can because of the fact that heavenly power of the Holy Ghost is in our bodies. And because he is, that same virtue that was in Jesus is in us. And we can transfer that power to somebody else. So number one, you have evidence that a heavenly power is on the inside of your body. The number two benefit of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and if somebody's helping me, you can pop these into the comments section so that those that are watching later can uh, see as as we're going through. But number two, when you speak in tongues, you are actually stirring yourself up. You are edifying or encouraging yourself in the Spirit. You're edifying or encouraging yourself in the Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul taught this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is a, it's a chapter that Paul is specifically dealing with the subject of tongues. And Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies or encourages, builds up himself. So as you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, it actually is encouraging your spirit. It's building yourself up. It is actually giving you supernatural encouragement. If you ever, I always tell people, if you ever get to the place where you start to feel depression trying to come on, there's two things that help you. If you start trying to feel anxiety attacks and panic attacks and depression trying to hit your soul, trying to hit your life, two things that are a sure release from depression, anxiety, and panic is praising God and praying in the Holy Ghost. Why praising God? Because the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people, Psalm 22, 3. And then when he comes and inhabits those praises, you're in his presence, and in his presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 16, 11. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you begin encouraging yourself and edifying yourself. So by praying in the Holy Spirit, it's like supercharging your spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost. So the second benefit for every believer who's filled with the power of the Spirit. When you pray in tongues, you are revving up that supernatural engine 
and encouraging yourself in the Lord. Powerful. You have the ability. You don't have to wait. Here's what I love. You do not have to wait for somebody else to encourage you in the Lord. You don't have to wait for a Christian brother or sister to come along and encourage you in the Lord. No, you can encourage yourself in the Lord by praying in the Holy Ghost. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, according to Paul, edifies himself. So number two, continue to stir yourself up in the spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost. Number three, the ability to pray or speak in other tongues reminds us that we can keep our prayers in perfect line with what the Holy Spirit wants us to be praying about. Let me read you this. Uh, let me read you this verse of scripture in Romans chapter eight, verse 26. The Bible says, likewise, the spirit helps our infirmities for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought to. So our limited human minds do not always know what we should be praying for. But being filled with the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to even pray for things that we don't even know what we're praying for because we're speaking in a heavenly language. And the Bible says when we don't know how to pray as we should pray, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered in, in words. So understand that when we pray in the Holy Ghost, number three, we have the ability to align our prayers perfectly with the will of the Holy Spirit. We can pray. Let me give you an example. Let's say God had something uh, on the earth that he wanted to be prayed about. For example, let's say that there was, uh, this is an extreme, uh, an extreme example. Let's say there was a, a missionary who was way out in a third world nation in, in the bush somewhere. And he did not uh, have any help. Didn't No one knew where he was. He was out doing uh, uh, missionary work, cut off from technology, cut off from communication. And he came into a place where he was in danger. His life was in danger. When you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can direct your prayers. You may have never even met that man before. You may have at the place, you don't even know his name. You don't even know he's there. And, but by praying in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can direct your prayers and pray kingdom agenda prayers on the earth. Praying in the Holy Ghost gives you the ability to pray kingdom agenda prayers in the Holy Ghost. And God can actually loose through you prayers of protection for his servants on the earth, although you may have never met them, you don't know them, you're not connected to them. But by praying in the Holy Ghost, we're praying in line with the Spirit's agenda on the earth. It's a powerful thing to have the ability to pray in unknown tongues or other tongues, as the Bible says. A heavenly language directed by the Holy Ghost. This is a real, real thing. It, 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 you know, I, I'm, this is, if you're a Pentecostal, if you're, if you're a charismatic person, you understand that being filled with the Holy Ghost is one of the greatest treasures that you can have. It does not make those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit a second-class Christian. It does not include, it does not uh, create a class system in, in the body of Christ, as some would argue. That's not what it's for. But everyone who reads the Bible understands that there's already levels of maturity in the body of Christ. Paul taught that. 
Paul taught the Corinthian church that they were at the lowest possible level of spiritual maturity. He told them, you're so immature, I can't even preach the meat of the word to you. I've got to give you the milk of the word, 1 Corinthians 3.1. So you understand there's already maturity levels in the body of Christ. And, and as you continue to mature, there are different things God can use you to do. So it's not that we're creating class systems in the kingdom of God, but there are different maturity levels. And God wants every believer to be filled with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. And this ability to link our prayers with the agenda of heaven is a powerful benefit of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. Number four, the fourth benefit of praying in other tongues is that it stimulates your faith. It stimulates your faith. What does that mean? It gets your faith ready for action. The best way that I can describe this to people is that if you were somebody who, an athlete who ran track and field, let's say you were in the Olympics and you'd trained your whole life to be in the Olympics and you were getting ready to run the 100 meter or something like that. Nobody in their right mind, doesn't matter how much preparation they've had, doesn't matter how much they've trained throughout their life. Nobody in their right mind goes to the Olympics and then sleeps in the day before their race and then just shows up to the race at the time the race is going to begin in their street clothes and jumps on the blocks and says, I'm ready to run this race. No, people show up early. You know what they do? They warm up. They stretch. Runners stretch first. They stretch out their muscles. They warm up their muscles. Why? So that their muscles are ready for action. And in the same way, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are stirring your faith up and getting it ready for action. You're getting it ready for action. That's what stimulating your faith does. And Jude verse 20 says this. It's the book of Jude. There's only one chapter. Verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are stimulating the faith that you already have. Now, let me make a quick distinction with you. Praying in tongues does not give you more faith. The Bible tells us how faith comes. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith does not come by praying in tongues. Faith comes by hearing God's word preached, or you can read it, listen to it on YouTube, whatever. That's how faith comes. But once faith does come, you can then stir up that faith and stimulate that faith, getting it ready to be used by praying in the Holy Ghost. Every young person in my generation needs to hear this. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time praying in tongues. It stimulates your faith and gets it ready for action. I'll tell you a story that you may have heard me uh, tell before, but it, it really, really puts this point home. I was in high school. I was only about 16 years old, and it was summertime, and I was at home in my, my dad's pool, and I got a call on the phone. And uh, when I answered the phone, it was one of my friends from high school, and uh, he said, Ted, you have to get down here to the hospital in, in Clarksburg. I said, what happened? He said, your friend uh, that you play basketball with, he got into a car accident last night. And when they ran off the road, they hit 
uh, a barn and, and a two by four came through the passenger window and hit him in the temple and put him into a coma instantly. And he's here in the hospital in the ICU and they don't know if he's going to you know, ever come out of the coma. They said it's pretty serious. Now, I don't know much about, uh, you know, I don't have any medical training. So, but the nurse told me later that <clears throat> apparently there's six levels of comas and six being the worst. And he was in a level four coma. And they said they're not sure if he was going to come out. And if he did come out, they said they don't know if he would have really full motor skill control. They didn't know if he'd have memory loss, all these different things. They weren't sure if it was going to wreck his brain permanently. And so I called a friend of mine from my youth group because he had a driver's license. I didn't at the time. And I said, drive me down to the hospital uh, in Clarksburg. And we got in his car and we drove down. When I got there, walked into the waiting room and there was all these people from my high school there. They were crying. Some of them, I mean, just completely devastated. He, he was very popular. Many people knew, knew him and loved him. And they were crying. They were standing in the waiting room, you know, just, and, and the more they cried and the more I heard them talk, it was making me angry because they were talking like he was already gone. They were talking like he had died. He was such a good guy. I love, I don't, why did this have to happen to him? And it made my spirit angry. I walked to the other side of the waiting room and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, 16 years old. I had not been to Bible school. I had not ministered. I had not laid hands on the sick. I was just a teenager in high school. And I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. As I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, I could literally feel something in my belly rising up higher and higher and higher. I knew now, I know now that I was feeling my faith being stirred up or stimulated to action. I was not there to cry with them. I was not there to mourn him. I was there to do something by the power of the Holy Ghost to get my friend out of that hospital, out of that coma, and make sure that his body was healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more I prayed in the Holy Ghost, the more I felt faith bubbling up on the inside of my body. The more I prayed, the more I felt it. More I prayed, more I felt it. And I couldn't stand it anymore. I was pacing back and forth angrily. You know, I was, I'm not, I was mad at the devil for attacking my friend. And as I'm praying, I felt that thing bubbling up. And, and finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I just made a beeline and walked for the ICU. And I got to the place where there was double doors going back to the ICU. And I pushed through them. And when I did, obviously the ICU is a semi-restricted area. You can't just go back into the ICU. And a nurse tried to stop me. She said, no, you can't go. It's only for family. Only family can go back there. And I turned around and looked at her. She must have seen <laughs> she must have seen the fire in my eyes because she was like, it's okay. You can go. You go. You go. <laughs> and I walked back to the room where he was. And when I got into his room, you talk about a situation that'll steal faith from you. When I went back into his room, the only people in there were him on a table or a bed, whatever you want to call it, and his mother in the corner crying. She's a wonderful woman crying in the corner. Obviously, any mother would be heartbroken when her son in a coma, car wreck, all that. And all you could hear in the room was the cries of the mother and the heart monitor next to his hospital bed. And I was already so stirred up in the Holy Ghost, I knelt down next to his bed and put my mouth to his ear. I said, Seth, it's your friend. I said, it's Ted. I don't know if you can hear me, but I came here to get you out of this coma and to get you out of this hospital. 
I said, I'm going to pray for you now. And I'm going to ask God to touch your body, heal you and to wake you up. I laid my hand on, on his body. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of this coma and not have any motor skill damage, not have any brain damage and no memory loss in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And when I took my hand off of his body, absolutely nothing happened. He laid there just as dead as before, but I felt a release in my spirit. I looked at his mom. I said, listen, stop crying. Everything's going to be okay. And then I walked out, got back in the car and left and went home. You know why I did that? Because the Bible teaches us we don't believe that we receive when we see the answer. We believe we receive when we pray. That's what the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. We don't believe we receive it when we have it. Anybody can have faith then. The Bible tells us we believe we receive when we pray. And my faith had been stimulated and I felt the release of the miracle. I told his mom, it's done. I went back home and the next morning when I woke up, I got back in the pool again and the phone rang. And it was a friend of mine from the hospital. He said, oh my goodness, Ted, you're never going to believe what happened. That's a, that's a crazy thing to say to a believer. I was like, what do you mean? Never going to believe what happened. I believe as my job. That's my life's purpose is to believe. I have faith. That's why I came to the hospital in the first place. I said, tell me what happened. He said, you'll not believe this. He said, Seth, the, we all woke up this morning. Seth's out of the coma. And he said, has no memory loss, hallelujah, has no motor skill damage, no, no brain damage. In fact, the nurses are saying, this was their report, the nurses are saying they've never seen anybody recover from serious brain damage this well in the history of the hospital. The power of God did it. But you start to think to yourself, what would have happened if I would have not stirred up my faith by praying in the Holy Ghost? Would I have not had the boldness and the fire to step out and do what God had called me to do as a believer? Notice, I was not standing in a five-fold ministry gift at the time. I was not a pastor of a church. I was not an evangelist. I was a student in a high school. But every believer is called to work the works of God. And as I prayed in the Holy Ghost, I built up my faith, stirred up my faith, and it stirred me to action. And it caused me to get to the place where I could work the works of God. So number four, as you saw in the comments, number four, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it stirs up or stimulates your faith. It stirs up or stimulates your faith. Hallelujah. I feel that. Every one of you need to spend time. I, want, I feel this, to say this to you. Every one of us needs to spend time daily. You need to block out time. Just as you spend time to read the word of God, just as you spend time to pray in your known language. You know, Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, I will pray in the spirit and with my understanding. I will pray in the spirit, talking about praying in other tongues, that's the context of 1 Corinthians 14. I will pray in other tongues and I'll pray with my understanding or in my known language. So there is benefits to both types of prayer. We don't need to just pray in tongues and we don't need to just pray in our known language. We need to do both. So just like you block out time to, to read God's word, you block out time to pray in your known language, block out specific time to pray in an unknown language, in your heavenly language, because there are benefits to it. 
Number five, when we pray in tongues, it gives us a spiritual refreshing, a spiritual refreshing. So it just doesn't encourage our soul. It gives us spiritual refreshing. There are many times when your soul needs to be encouraged. As I said before, we talk about an attack of depression, anxiety, fear, whatever that might be, that attack against your soul. And you need to have a renewal or an encouragement of your soul. But it doesn't just touch your soul. It actually touches your spirit. It touches your spirit. Did you know that this was prophesied, that this would take place for God's people all the way back in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah? And he said in Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12, for with stammering lips and an unknown tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest, hallelujah, wherewith you might cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. This is the refreshing. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it doesn't just edify or stir, or stir up your soul realm. It actually also refreshes your spirit and takes you into a place of supernatural rest supernatural rest. Do you know God wants your spirit to be rested? God wants your spirit to not be in turmoil. You know, I've been so many places, people's spirits are in turmoil, literally. It's torturous. It's literally demonic how people's spirits are in turmoil in this generation. Everywhere you look, turmoil. People don't know what they're going to do. You know, one thing that makes me, uh, blows my mind, so many people are so tormented in this generation that they always have to have something going because they cannot stand the silence or being alone with their own thoughts. Have you ever noticed that? Have you seen that? That people always have to have something going. They either have to have YouTube on. They gotta be watching something, a show, Netflix. They gotta be doing something, listen to music. They always have to have something going to fill up the silence because they can't stand the silence and hearing their own thoughts and being alone with themselves. In fact, you know, one of the things that really drew, drew my attention to this is uh, uh, there was a show, I think it was on the History Channel. I can't remember now if it was on History or if it, uh, Outdoor Channel. I think it's History Channel or something. It's called Alone. You could Google it. The show is called Alone. And the premise of the show, it's a reality show. They would take all these people who are survival experts from YouTube that could live on the on the land and not need anything but a knife and some flint and steel and all this, kill their own food, make campfires, camp, you know, without and they could survive indefinitely. And they all put they put them out there by themselves with no way to get to each other, no way to contact each other. And whoever's the last man standing, however long it takes, is the winner of the show. And uh, it goes on for quite a while. I mean, it can go on for months. It could go on indefinitely if it had to. And you know one of the things I noticed about that show? was how many people that when they got by themselves, I mean, there's not even any cameramen there. They have to film themselves with their own camcorders. And what I noticed from watching that show is that people would tap out and leave the island where they were doing this survival training uh, and, and contest, not because they couldn't survive, because they had the skills to survive. But one of the reasons that you would see that they would tap out was because they would sit there in solitude and all their thoughts now are washing over them. There's no YouTube, there's no music, there's no internet, 
There's no phone to bury your nose in. And people have to sit there with their thoughts and their regrets and their mistakes and their pain and their sorrows. And people could not stand to be alone. It blew my mind and it opened my eyes that our souls and our spirits are tortured, not ours because we're filled with the Holy Ghost, but those of this generation, tortured by their thoughts, their regrets, attacks against the spirit, attacks against the mind. And people would tap out just because they couldn't stand to be alone in solitude with their own thoughts. But the Bible tells us that being filled with the Holy Ghost and praying in other tongues gives us a spiritual refreshing. A spiritual refreshing. In fact, did you know that the Bible tells us that that's God's desire for his children, his loved ones? In Psalm 127 and verse 2, the Bible says God gives his beloved rest. He gives his beloved rest. Think about that. Hallelujah. Gives his beloved rest. God wants your spirit to be rested, not in turmoil. He wants your spirit to be empowered. He wants your spirit to be active for the kingdom so that you're not pulling back and trying to always, oh, I just don't know why life is like this. Always in sorrow. That's a demonic thing that the enemy has tried to put against our generation is this spirit of sorrow. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but I mean, you just saw within the last week, Kate Spade committed suicide. And then days later, internationally known uh, celebrity chef, Anthony Bourdain, hung himself, which was the the initial report, in his five-star hotel room. These are people that had money, had fame, had careers that brought them international success, but something was still tormenting their mind where they could not be alone with their thoughts. There's an attack against this generation. Did you know that the the medication that's prescribed more than any other medication in America is antidepressants? Now they're telling us one out of every four people is on one. It's an attack to come against the rest of your soul, the rest of your mind. And being filled with the Holy Ghost is a solution to a spiritual attack. You know, I put something out on Facebook and on on Twitter and stuff a a couple of uh, days ago, and people came back with strong resistance to what I said. You know what they disagreed with? I said, if people owned and believed their Bible, they would understand and believe that depression, anxiety, and and fear are not things that are at root caused by a chemical imbalance or a diagnosable sickness. Those are just the manifestations of the root problem. The root problem is it's a spiritual issue. It's a spirit that attacks your mind and your soul and your spirit. The Bible calls it in Isaiah 61, it calls depression and anxiety, it calls it a spirit of heaviness. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul refers to it as a spirit of fear. So fear and heaviness are not caused by some uh, natural force, they're caused by a supernatural force. And being filled with the Holy Ghost is the ammunition and the power you need so that your spirit can experience rest. Amen. Number six, the sixth benefit of praying in tongues is that praying in tongues allows us a spiritual method to give thanks unto God. The Bible instructs us actually that we are to continually give thanks. Give thanks in every situation and for everything to God your Father. 
Praying in the spirit gives us the ability, a supernatural avenue to give thanks unto God at the highest level. Let me read to you what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 through 17. Paul said, what is it then? I quoted this a moment earlier. I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I will sing with my understanding. Verse 16, or else when you... When you bless with the spirit, how that he, how will he that occupies the room uh, that, that has knowledge or that's learned say amen when you give thanks to God because he can't understand what you're saying? Verse 17, for truly you are giving thanks, but everyone else is not edified or built up. What he's saying is in a public church setting, if everybody was to just jump up and pray in tongues at the same time, trying to give a word in tongues, He's saying that those that are there wouldn't understand what you're saying. He's saying, yes, you would be giving thanks unto God, but you'd be the only one that would be edified by it. Everyone else could not be edified in that public assembly because they don't have understanding of what you're saying. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 is writing from the context and perspective of how believers should conduct themselves in a public assembly or a church setting. But he clearly says Yes, when you're praying in tongues, you are truly and well giving thanks unto God. He said you're giving thanks unto God. So by praying in tongues, you have the ability to supernaturally give thanksgiving unto God at the highest level or highest form through a heavenly language. And the Bible commands us that we should be giving thanks unto God. Did you know, and I'll just say this quickly, why is it a benefit? Because thanksgiving is the way for every believer to operate in a type of miracles that allows you to recover what was lost from your life. Think about this for a second. Giving thanks unto God allows you to operate in signs and wonders and miracles that let you recover what was stolen from your life. Look at the story of the 10 lepers who came to Jesus. The Bible says they came risking their lives to see if Jesus would heal them. And Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, the Bible says they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, if you know what leprosy was, it was a flesh-eating disease. It would eat your organs. It would eat your, I mean, ears would fall off, noses, fingers, toes would fall off of people because of leprosy. So you lost body parts. But the Bible says as the 10 went away, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. And they were cleansed of their disease. Now notice, leprosy was no longer in their body but they were still missing noses, ears, fingers, whatever may have been lost to the disease. But one of them returned to do what? Give thanks to Jesus. And when he gave thanks to Jesus, Jesus said, where where are the other nine? I thought I prayed for 10 of you. The, the, The previous former leper did not address the other nine, but he began to give thanks to Jesus for what he had done. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith, has made you whole. That previous leper got a blessing that the other nine did not get. He didn't just get cleansed of his leprosy, but his thanksgiving was an avenue so that he could recover what was lost. You can't be whole without your fingers, without your ears, without your nose, your toes, whatever he lost. Jesus said, now you go, your faith has not only cleansed you, it has made you whole. So because thanksgiving is a benefit, as you give thanks to God, God allows you to recover even things that were lost and stolen. 
Whatever in your past has been taken from you, the power of thanksgiving and praise will allow you to recover those things that were lost. And finally, number seven, the seventh benefit, and then I'll take some questions, whoever may have questions today. The seventh benefit of speaking in tongues is that it brings your tongue under subjection. It actually submits your tongue to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, it submits your tongue, your natural tongue, to the submission or to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you James chapter 3 and verse 8. The Bible says, The tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Your tongue is an unruly evil. I love you, Kofi full of deadly poison. And the Bible says no man can tame it. But you know who can tame the tongue? The Holy Spirit can tame it. When you put your tongue under the submission of the Holy Spirit and let him take control of your tongue, it puts that tongue under control. It takes that tongue from a place where you are speaking evil. You're asking, Jamie's asking for a number one. What was number one? The first benefit of speaking in tongues is that it is a evidence or reminder that the power of heaven is dwelling inside your body. So number one, if you missed it, you're just logging on. Of course, you can go back and watch the broadcast. But number one is that it is evidence that a supernatural power of heaven is living in your body and operating in your body. But number seven, it puts your tongue under subjection. And submitting your tongue to the Holy Spirit allows him to control what comes out of it and gives you the ability to speak in the spirit and not destroy your future, but to build up your future. The Bible teaches us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. The power of death and life are in the tongue. By your words, you're justified or by your words, you'll be condemned. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for about, what, eight years or so. And uh, one of the things I would always teach my young people, I wanted to be very graphic. So they had a mind picture of what your words can do. And I said this, I said, the, the words that you're speaking out of your mouth are alive. They carry power. I was teaching this from Proverbs and from Matthew. Your words justify you or condemn you. They have life or they have death in them. And I said, when you speak over your future and over your life, speak words of life. Because what happens is when you speak words out of your mouth, they travel into your future and begin to create for you the atmosphere that you'll walk in later. And so I used to say it like this. You can either create a future that looks like a five-star resort or you can create a future that looks like a truck stop bathroom. And the choice is yours by the words that you speak out of your mouth. By your words, you're justified or condemned, life or death will come out of your mouth. And by submitting your tongue to the Holy Spirit, it begins to tame the tongue because no one in their natural flesh, the Bible teaches, can tame their tongue. It's up full of deadly poison. It's an unruly evil. But the power of the Holy Ghost is that you can pray in the Spirit and submit your mouth to the Holy Ghost and control it by the Spirit. 
benefits. I mean, full praying. And I'm sure there are many more benefits. I just wanted to give you seven benefits of praying in tongues. It's not just so you can look super spiritual. It's not just so you can look like you're so uh, godly as you stand in church praying in the spirit or whatever you may be doing. No, no, there are actual spiritual benefits that are linked to praying in the Holy Ghost. I want to encourage every one of you to spend time daily praying in the spirit. I'm going to take some questions right now before you go. And listen, as you're, as you're writing your questions in the comments section, I'm going to do my best to, to uh, answer them as many as I can by the word of God. Oh, praise God, Danielle. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Danielle was one of those that were, were around at that time. Thank you, Tiffany. Tiffany, Tiffany is uh, bringing that back to my, my memory. Uh, if you're enjoying these teachings, and thank you for doing that, Tiffany. She put it in the comments section. If you're enjoying the, the teaching, which we're going to spend this week doing, I highly recommend that you that you join and enroll Miracle in Miracle Word University. We've created an online uh, course for those that want to go deeper in the things of God. You can access it at miraclewordu.com. That's the website, miracleword and the letter u.com. And we're we're teaching the doctrines of the church, the baptism of the spirit, divine healing, prayer, faith, end time prophecy, learning why we believe our Bible how we got our Bible, all these courses. Some of them are already live. Some are coming soon. I'm telling you, it will build your faith. Every course is filled with about five hours of teaching and very cheap, only $69 per course. I encourage you to check it out at miraclewordu.com. But let me say this, as you're getting ready to write uh, uh, some questions in the comments section, that we're taking this message of the power of God around the world. This year, we're getting ready to do what we've never done and that is we're getting ready to go on television in every island of the Caribbean in just a couple of months. We're going to be putting the power of God on display in every island. God's put the Caribbean in my heart. I have a love for the people of the Caribbean. And uh, we're going to be putting this out and being on television in every island. And then my friend Ankit sent me a message. He just finished building his television station in India covering 16 million homes, Limitless TV, and has invited us to go on and preach the gospel in India. We're going to be doing that. Uh, I'm, we're moving forward. I mean, God has opened the doors and we're going to do it. For those of you that would like to partner with our ministry, I want to encourage you to sow a seed. For those of you that want to become partners with our ministry, we encourage people to sow a $1,000 seed annually or $85 a month. So you can do it right in the comment section. If you'd like to sow a seed, you can put hashtag donate right in the comment section. And so a seed, and I appreciate every one of you. For all those that are doing that, every person that's, that partners with us for $1,000 today, I'm going to send you every book that I've written. Praise, Laugh, Repeat, Blood on the Door, uh, Unhang Your Heart, our brand new book. And then I'm also going to send you a fourth thing. It's an album that we released entitled, Why Are Christians Sick and Suffering? Four hours of teaching on four discs. Why are Christians sick and suffering and how you can be free? For every person that, that partners with us today, I'm going to give you every book we've written and that, that uh, album. You know, that's the number one question we get when we travel around the country. People stay and wait for me at the altar and they say, Brother Ted, if God is so good, why are so many Christians suffering with sickness and disease? If he's so powerful, why are so many of his children sick? I got so tired of answering that question individually time and time again that I just began to teach on it. We had a week of revival services and I took every day session to take, teach on the subject, 
why are Christians sick and suffering and how you can be free. So I want to encourage you, sow a seed. Thank you, Janet. I appreciate that. Thank you. All those of you that are already sowing, you can simply put hashtag donate and the amount in the comment section to partner with us. $85 a month, $1,000 a year, whatever you feel to do. And for those of you that do $1,000 today, I'm going to send you all of those books and that album uh, for partnering with us. And I want to say thank you. We're pushing the gospel forward by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we're not going to allow a generation to go to hell because we're intimidated of what people think about the power of the Holy Spirit. I refuse. This is the most powerful thing available on the earth. I can't tell you. I mean, how awesome to see these miracles and signs and wonders take place by the Holy Spirit. Can I give you a couple of testimonies as you're, as you're writing those questions? Have you ever, uh, let me read Melissa's question first. Have you ever heard someone praying in tongues and it make you feel uncomfortable and make you wonder, is that really tongues from the Holy Spirit? And the answer to that is yes, I have. I've been in, uh, in services where it wasn't the Holy Spirit, but somebody was, uh, you know, it was really just a spirit from the enemy trying to disturb what God was doing. And I've also heard people doing it in the flesh and it was a disturbance. When the Holy Spirit is moving, he will never interrupt himself. Think about that. The Holy Spirit is not going to, he's not double-minded. He's not going to interrupt himself. So if he's doing one thing over here, he's not going to distract from what he's doing over here by doing something distracting over here. The Holy Spirit is, a, is he's, he's in perfect unity with himself, with the Trinity. God has a purpose for every service and for every life. Thank you very much. Thank you, Liz. I appreciate you. So yes, I have seen that, Melissa. That's why we need what the Bible calls discerning of spirits, because you can tell whether the spirit is from God. The Bible says, try the spirits and see if they be of God. You can discern. That's why your spirit felt like that, because you can feel if something is of God or if it or if it's not. You, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, some veteran Christian of 50 years to know if, you, if the spirit is from God. Jesus actually said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So, yes, that's a great question. There are times that uh, the enemy tries to send a distraction. Thank you, Liz. Hey, Amy. Hey, Brad. So I want to encourage you guys to sow that seed today and join with us to preach the gospel across the world before Jesus comes. You know, I want to give you some testimonies. We were just in, um, and thank you, Ben. Thank you, Kofi. We were just in the southern part of West Virginia. And uh, actually, let me give you this one first. I was in northern West Virginia. And uh, right in right in the month of April, and uh, we were praying for those that were sick or needed a miracle in the service, and the power of God hit that place. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, call forward all of those people that are either deaf or wear hearing aids or hard of hearing. All these people came forward in the church where we were in West Virginia, and I began to go down the line praying for people, and one after another, people began to instantly be healed, and their ears began to come open. But when I started asking them, how long, what's, how much hearing have you lost? How long have you been this way? I've never had this many in one service. We had six people in that one service who were 100% deaf. Hearing aids could not help them. 100% deaf, instantly healed by the power of God. I mean, the manifestation of God's power is amazing. And it is proof that Jesus is alive. 
That's why we need the Holy Ghost like we've never needed it. Because Jesus encouraged his disciples 2,000 years ago. He said in John chapter 9 and verse 4, he said, we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it's still daytime. For the night is coming where no man can work. So this is a limited time offer. Jesus is coming back and miracles are the proof that he's alive. And when we, when we show or demonstrate the power of God to a new generation, they can clearly see. You know, Jesus doesn't mind. That's how he operates. <clears throat> you know, people say, well, you should just believe the word. Sinners don't believe the word. The gospel, Paul said, is the power of God unto salvation, but the gospel is accompanied by signs and wonders. In fact, Jesus, his gospel that he preached, Paul's gospel that he preached, Peter's gospel that they preached, they were all, Philip in Acts 8, they were all accompanied by signs and wonders. That was the proof Christ was alive. And in fact, when John's disciples came to Jesus and said, are you the Messiah or are we waiting for somebody else? Jesus said, go tell John the things you've seen and heard. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. He said, uh, the, the poor have the gospel preached them, the dead are raised. These are the signs that I'm the Messiah, that I am the Christ. And go tell John, you've seen these signs. Jesus used signs and wonders to prove that he was the son of God. And do you know that those signs and wonders are still today proving that Jesus is alive? And, and Paul said when he was teaching in the New Testament, he said, I have not fully preached the gospel unto you until I've demonstrated the power of the gospel. And that is what we need the Holy Spirit to activate in every one of our lives is the ability to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. I'm going to pray for every one of you before we go in just a moment. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask God to fill you with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you have been filled, did you know you can be refilled with the Holy Ghost? And the Bible teaches that you can be reinvigorated with the power of the Spirit. It happened to those that were in the upper room. Two chapters later in Acts 4, they were refilled with the Holy Spirit. And the same can take place for you. If you I always tell people, if you, if you still are depending on a touch you got from God in 1989 at a youth camp, you've waited too long to have another encounter with the Holy Spirit. You've got to have an encounter with him now that refreshes your spirit. As David said in the Old Testament, even before people could be filled with the Holy Ghost in this way, David decided and said in Psalm 92, verse 10, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That needs to be your desire and your confession. Every day when I wake up, I make up my mind, I shall be anointed with fresh oil from heaven. Are there any more questions before we <clears throat> pray for people today? I want to make sure. Thank you, Amy. God bless you. Love you. I appreciate every one of you that are sowing today. Once again, if you're just logging on, for every person that wants to partner with this ministry as we get ready to take the power of God on television to every island in the Caribbean, throughout India, and then I believe that our next step after that is that we're going to hit the United States of America. Every person that sows $1,000 today, I'm going to send you every book that I've written and also the album, Why Are Christians Sick and Suffering and How You Can Be Free, and it'll be a blessing to you. Those of you that can, partner with us at $85 a month. You can do one of two things. You can give the first 85 here by putting hashtag donate 85, or you can go to miracleword.com 
and you can go to the give page and set up a recurring uh, gift to our ministry every single month that'll be auto deducted. And we say thank you ahead of time. Once again, obviously, all of your gifts are tax deductible as allowed by law. So we thank you for that and we'll receipt you at the end of the year for your giving. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing on the earth in these last days. I want to take a minute, pray for every person that's watching, and then ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost and make you an effective member of the body of Christ, impacting the world by the power of God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man and every woman who's watching this broadcast today. Lord, I ask you that you'd fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit now. If they've never been filled before, as they watch this broadcast, whether live or on the archive, fill them with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost today with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in Jesus' name. If they've already been filled with the Holy Ghost, I ask you as you did in Acts chapter 4, refill them with the Holy Spirit. Give them fresh oil from heaven today in the mighty name of Jesus. Stir their spirit to do the work of the ministry. Let this be the greatest soul-winning year that they've ever experienced in the history of their Christian life. Let more people come to Jesus through them than they've ever seen before. Make us impactful members of the body of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for that, Lord. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. We give you glory. Amen. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 